Welcome to Not Safer Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl. I watched a few clips of the Logan Paul and Floyd Merriweather <laughs> Jr. fight <laughs> and read a bunch of stuff about it. Okay, let me ask you first off, how did this even happen in the first place? Was this Logan Paul putting it together? Both of the Logan Paul and Jake Paul got into like MMA fights and boxing and just like – been challenging random people, ramping up, fight somebody that's supposedly a bit tougher and then fought like another person. And they're all exhibition matches. You have to be approved by boxing commissions for it to not be an exhibition match. So Logan Paul uh, Mayweather fight is definitely like they didn't have any judges for right. the fight. So How do they decide who wins? There is no winner. What? That was actually part of the stipulation. Yeah, no, there was no uh, guy in the ring with the stripies. And... I'm surprised they didn't go to like vote on a winner or something stupid like that. Yeah. And I mean, the... you can still go back and look at the footage and say this guy hit landed more hits than this guy. And I think that oh, Logan f- Paul actually landed more no, hits. No, no, no. no, no, no. It was no, the no. other way. It was like, not from at least two to one. Okay. Like, yeah. That's what I, I thought I read. And one of the famous clips in there is Mayweather landed a, like a kind of an uppercut and then just caught him right across the jaw and he like goes to hug and just like passes out for like four or five seconds and the only reason the uh, bout kept going is Mayweather caught him like and just like you need to get back up you need to get back up <laughs> so it's like what Rocky was expecting in Rocky 3 <laughs> but he wasn't expecting Thunderlips to take it to him <laughs> I was, have very little frame of reference for any of this right now. It was Hulk Hogan is playing against <sighs> Sylvester Stallone and Rocky Three at the very beginning. They're doing an exhibition match, so they're doing a wrestler versus a boxer. And Sylvester Stallone's coming in like, hey, we're going to raise money for kids. This is going to be a lot of fun. And, and Thunderlips is just like breathing heavy and being like, I'm going to destroy you, brother. Like all of that kind of stuff. And then he just beats the shit out of Rocky at the beginning. And then Rocky gets mad because he thinks it's just like a fun thing. And then they kick the shit out of each other until they finally end it and call it a tie. Basically, well, I guess it would be a good version of what happened with Logan Paul and Mayweather. But clearly that didn't happen because from all accounts, Mayweather kicked the shit out of him. Yeah, and it was like eight rounds of... These two guys hugging pretty much on <laughs> That is what boxers do yeah, all the time. It's, you it's like a, wrap up so you don't take hits and you're like conserving your energy. Yeah, and then just catching a breath and like just kind of gaining your composure. Yeah, that, I mean that's pretty common. Yeah. But I did not drop the $50 to watch it on pay-per-view because there is no way. So I was the guy that hoping like – the day after that Logan Paul, like, just got floored because... Died in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. <clears throat> yeah. Because <laughs> that means the end of, like, new content from Logan Paul. <laughs> Man, that'd be great. <laughs> Maybe if he just hit him in the <sighs> mouth just right so he couldn't talk well. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> and I think everybody that paid for this is hoping to see Logan Paul take a dive. But no. 
There's some Gen Z kids that definitely paid for it that were rooting for Logan Paul. That have that's awful. <laughs> well, I lost because I was rooting for nobody to pay for the special, but apparently a bunch of people did. So, oh yeah, they laughed all the way to, to the yet. bank. Yeah, they they don't care who won or lost. At the end of the day, all they know is they made fifty bucks a pop off a bunch of idiots. No offense if you paid 50 bucks for this. <laughs> I did not. And in fact, we talk about this in an episode of A Cosmic Void, which will come out one week after this. And Jeremiah also saw it and also did not pay for it. So <laughs> He saw the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll abstain my opinion that I, I gave there. But I did give some pretty detailed analysis for like seven seconds <laughs> for a fight I did not watch. <laughs> Right. It's been kind of entertaining, like the lead up when they had the weigh in for the fight three, four weeks ago. One of the Paul brothers got into it with Mayweather, and Mayweather's bodyguards, like, basically beat the shit out of him. Good. <laughs> like, he took more lumps from the weigh in than he did from the fight. That's amazing. I like that. What you got, Carl? I watched Shazam for the third time. <laughs> this is news. It's news to me. <laughs> All right. So what were I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's my news. There are good child actors now. <laughs> they used to be so bad. And even the ones that like grew up to be pretty decent, like that kid from E.T. I liked him a lot as Wilson on House. Like he was great, but he wasn't a very good kid in E.T., Whatever his name is, Elliot. That's it. <laughs> How do you forget that kid's name, man? <laughs> it's like one of ET's only lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Said he can't even pronounce it incorrectly. <laughs> uh, rewatching Shazam. Aside, I mean, the two boys that are the main two boys, I still find fucking insufferable. But that's not really their fault. They're playing their characters the way that they were written they just are little brats that are annoying so fuck what are you gonna do the little girl the youngest one she's freaking adorable and her timing her comic timing is surprisingly good and then like the other kids are really good too the silent one the big silent one i like him a lot just because he does a lot of interesting like silent work you know and that's an impressive skill for a young actor to have what was Even his name was it silent bill so, I don't remember. I didn't I wasn't paying super close attention. But then also to tie it into something more recent, um Sweet Tooth on Netflix. It's the number one show and I can see why. That kid is really good. What is Sweet Tooth? Sweet Tooth is the adaptation of a Jeff Lemire DC comic that is not part of the DC universe. It's a standalone thing. So the premise of Sweet Tooth is that a plague Hits the planet. Oh, and so starts it's a wiping show. everybody out. <laughs> and at the current events, at the exact same time, babies start being born that are animal human hybrids, like all sorts of different animals. They're not all the same. And they don't know if the disease caused the hybrids or if the hybrids caused the disease. But either way, regular humans are freaked out by them and shun them and kidnap them and kill them. And the president saying stuff like they were brought over. From no, the China. government is gone. The government is gone. The <laughs> okay. plague has wiped out a lot of decimated the population. So meanwhile, this father takes his son into the middle of Yellowstone in Wyoming and sets up a little cabin and for the next five, he takes him in when he's a baby and then 
10 years go by, basically, in the Yellowstone. The kid grows up. This is all the first episode. Dad gets uh, sick from the disease. There's this little like pinky twitch thing that happens when you know somebody does not have long. And then he dies. The kid's trying to keep this house going because it's all cleverly engineered with like water pipes and stuff in a garden. And he's struggling because he's still just a kid, you know. And then he accidentally starts a fire in the daytime. Smoke goes up. Soon enough, there are scavengers and poachers and stuff coming, snooping around. And he encounters these two poachers and they're going to kidnap him and take him to some scientists. They're shocked that he can speak, you know, like, so a lot has happened in this 10 year span. And then he gets rescued by this big guy, this like, they call him big man. (laughs) And they have this kind of back and forth encounter. And then eventually the kid just like leaves the encampment and chases after the guy in the very end of the first episode is him yelling big man take me with you you know and you're like oh this is the beginning of like an awesome little partnership of this big dude and this little deer boy he's a deer boy he's got deer antlers that was how me and brandon became friends (laughs) (laughs) i thought we weren't going to talk about that And now the thing is, is so this show is produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, whatever. I forget her name. I and, don't remember uh, either. And I've, they're I've not, actually heard her speak before. They're not in it or anything. Right. But it actually does have kind of the same sort of bright, uh, high production look of like the Doolittle movie. And to a lesser extent, the colors are rich. You know, it's vibrant. It's it's crisp, you know, it just looks really nice. And the original comic is just one big, long, depressing, s- sad potato story. <laughs> I don't know. I said potato. <laughs> it's just sad. It's depressing. It's violent at times. It never is happy. And this show is very much like, let's take that and like make a wholesome, positive kind of nicer story about it. Like in the original comic book, the man that takes him into the woods is just like this crazy religious zealot <laughs> that just kind of like beats this beehive, you know, blah, be blah, don't do, you know, I'm crazy religious man and I've done this thing for my own purposes, you know, and so this kid is like not being raised in a loving household and then eventually the guy dies and then he's left by himself. And then the guy that he encounters is going to sell him and then kind of has a change of heart along the way. Here, there's like never any intention of him being sold on the part of the guy. So, and then also his dad is Will Forte, who's like a good Pretty dad. Lovable. He's good. He's lovable dad. Yeah. This is another daddy story too. There's more daddies. <laughs> they just, there's no escape from the daddies. But uh, Will Forte is a good daddy. Yeah. This kid is just phenomenal. The whole season, of course, dropped, but I only watched the one. But I have a feeling we're going to see more cute animals. The other thing about the comic is that the animal children, some of them are just straight like feral. You know, and they're like, some of them are terrifying looking. And in this, for the most part, they're very cute looking. There's a scene with a bunch of animal babies. There's like a bird baby and like the doggy baby with little puppy snout. Freaking cute. Comic book's not cute. But if you look at Jeff Lemire's artwork, you're like, oh, yeah, everybody looks gaunt. Everyone's super skinny and sunken hollow eyes and bags under their eyes. Like even in his other comics that they are, look like, like they should a, be in a Tim Burton movie. He has a very specific <laughs> arts like drawing style. So 
but he's pretty good. He tells a good story. So uh, check out Sweet Tooth and like just expect we're going to be seeing all these kid act like all the kids from Stranger Things are all really good. And there's other things I'm sure that I'm not mentioning. But like we're reaching this point where we're just going to watch all of our movie stars. They're going to they're starting younger and younger and younger, you know, in, in like really competent capacities it's just weird that we're going to see these kids their entire lives yeah we've seen that with directors before like sofia coppola we're gonna we're gonna be dying as they're entering the twilight of their careers (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun thought on the daddy front i want to talk about a story that was a daddy story but now they've spun it out to not be a daddy story At least so far, there's probably a few episodes coming down the pike. And of course, I am talking about Loki. So if you haven't watched Loki yet, I don't know why you would be listening to this, but you should probably scan forward a bit because we've all seen it and we're going to talk about it openly. I'll be honest, you could probably hear about this and not really be spoiled. It's just fun. The first episode, really exposition-driven, like really setting up what... Entirely crafting the time variance agent authority the timekeepers and what is going on with loki himself pretty good pretty good it opens with the scene from endgame they literally open it with loki where he's bound up and they didn't even cut out the whole trying to get into the elevator any of that (laughs) stuff like they kept it all in there's even they basically added a little bit to the movie as well because there is a line that loki says now and then they slap the thing on his mouth and now that's essentially an a new scene for that movie yeah yeah for but, avengers the first avenger <laughs> that movie just no, got additional yeah, footage yeah, i guess well, the first avengers just got additional footage because this is the loki from that movie it got even more additional footage because endgame was also additional footage yes right? yeah. yes <laughs> this all takes place before they get the shawarma who's gonna edit this into this that footage from the beginning of loki into the avengers so that we can see that seamless well, we're audio, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting a call out to... Yeah, somebody wants to turn this into a video. I mean, I'm sure somebody's already had that thought, right? Yeah. Parallel thinking and all that. I'm guessing you have quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'll take those ad bucks. I just don't know what I'm doing with video editing. Anyway, so Loki basically grabs the Tesseract, disappears. He appears in the middle of a desert, the, clearly back the in The Gobi time. Desert in, uh, no, I think it was actually, it didn't go change time. It was the same, still 2012, but he's just on the other side of the world. It had to have changed time. Because why would he be getting... Because, well, the only reason I changed from the primary timeline, the sacred timeline. But he didn't change. The Avengers did. No, the Avengers changed. The Avengers changed time in the way that to preserve the sacred time stream. Loki was not supposed to escape. Loki was supposed to stay a prisoner and eventually go on to do what Infinity War was anyway he gets captured it's kind of funny they show up he's trying to give his whole speech about glorious purpose and all this and then they hit him across the head with a baton 
that basically slows him to one sixteenth the speed. So you just see his mouth is just like flabby, slowly moving back and forth as it reverberates. But he feels the pain as it's going in normal time. So they grab him. They take him down to this room where they essentially have him take a ticket. It's just like so comical the way they do it. Like he has to get a ticket like he's at the DMV, but there's literally nobody else in the room. Well, there's one other guy. Well, he shows up later, but I mean, like, there's there's the security guy, there's Loki, and there's, like, a judge, right? And there's the other guy who comes in behind him. Well, he was in front of him, like, going, because he was in the room before the line room. Like, he was before, and then, like, he went through the turnstile before Loki did. Okay. Regardless, <laughs> that dude basically I literally gets, just watched it, so it's, like, all right here. I watched it at, like, 2 a.m., so <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got evaporated, essentially, so Loki finally grabs the ticket really quick and it's fun because he definitely starts with the conceited Loki but then quickly evolves into the more humorous Loki that we're used to in the other movies I think just because they set up the circumstances for it and Owen Wilson is trying to figure out how to stop somebody who's killing these TVA agents officer or detective Mobius yes which is definitely a reference to like a Mobius strip. Yeah. Which is the thing that has only one side because it twists on itself. So it's an impossible. I mean, you can rep- you can actually make it in real life. But they have a scene where Owen Wilson is trying to figure out who's attacking him. And so he talks to a kid and the kid points to a painting with devil horns. So I thought this was really smart of Marvel because I think they're setting it up so that you like hear that and you think Loki right away. But us people that are really paying attention, you know who it is, dude. Don't even say it. Who is it, Carl? It's not I'll let you say Mephisto. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mephisto! No Mephisto. They've been playing the long game no this way. whole time. No <laughs> well, Yeah, when you're at that point in the episode and they point at the devil, maybe you might think it's Mephisto. But that is like so much. On the them. nose. I'm still no. surprised they were obvious about <laughs> this. <laughs> they are fucking with people. They've got to be. Because they come right out at the end of the episode and say who they, it is that they're looking for. Yeah. Which uh, is Loki. Uh, they didn't reveal the face of Loki uh, the, at the end. They showed a shadowy hooded person. Now, this is what I want to. Okay. So, like, to set up, Loki keeps trying to escape. Owen Wilson wants to enlist him, as we saw in all the trailers, to help him fight this. And he realizes that he's in a place where he can't just fight his way out of it. Not only is he weaker than everything he's going up against, but at some point he gets a tesseract. And then he looks in the drawer and there's just, like, a bunch of infinity stones there. Like, multiple copies. (laughs) So, in other words. People use them as paperweight. Paperweights yeah. in the office. So in other words, like he is in a place that's more powerful well, than the Infinity uh, well, Stones. Well, that – it dampens all the magic. It's but that's my point. If it can dampen cute. an Infinity Stone, the place he's in is more powerful than the Infinity Stones. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are yeah. the things you can snap out half the population. This thing is like, yeah, no, fuck you. We're not letting you do yeah, that. Yeah, and they had the scene where he's like in front of the judge and he's like trying to use his powers and he's just like – Bumping his chest up. Because he's trying to like, isn't it, is that when he usually like throws daggers from out of nowhere? That move that he's doing? Because he has yeah. those magic or daggers that always come out. Or he has all sorts of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> just watching him just like fail and it just like looks so awkward because he's just like pumping his chest and he's just kind of like. It's what they all look like, like without like the special a chicken. effects. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty fun. It reminds me of a video clip I saw once of CW, Supergirl, and The Flash doing their superhero stuff behind the scenes. And it's absolutely hilarious to watch without any special effects added because it's exactly the same as the kid with the lightsaber, that old school, like, 1999 chubby kid jumping around, flailing with a pole, trying to be like a Jedi fighter. They look exactly like that. Like, at one point, the Flash is doing the trick where he spins his arms in circles, sort of like to make a tornado with his arms. (laughs) And with the special effects, his arms are a blur. But here he's just like going... (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's just so weak. It just... And that's what Loki and looks the, like. the special effect where uh, Flash runs out of a room. They literally just like – there's a guy just off camera like throwing a handful of papers in the air. <laughs> yep. They turn on a fan. They throw papers. <laughs> they have Grant Gusset or however you say his name like step out of the frame and then they start filming again. That's all they do. <laughs> yeah, they uh, – um, they do uh, – Supergirl will go to like do a takeoff jump, but then she only jumps like a little tiny hop like boop. It's <laughs> like nowhere. <laughs> we'll do that at the post. Don't you don't don't actually take off. Just a super girl. <laughs> so basically, they have this really good exchange. He's got Loki on this thing where it basically doubles him back to where he's at. It puts him in a like loop. rewinds him. Yeah, and so every time Loki tries to get out, he keeps setting him back or and, attack him or yeah anything. And so he uses this as an opportunity to like catch up people who might be jumping in late to find out what's happened with Loki. Like they're replaying all sorts of stuff. It's so damn interesting to me how they have really taken offense to how much people don't like Thor the Dark World and they keep recontextualizing it so that like we'll like it more. I really think that's what they're doing. Like how Loki actually caused the death of his mother Mother, yeah by sending them the wrong way you should take the left instead of saying take the right for example and he's telling him he's like do you like killing? Like he's basically just keeps going back to it. your own Wilson? Let's hear Um, it again. Wow. (laughs) You like killing? You like killing? Wow. Ah. Hey, Loki, we're putting a team together. Wow. We're going to travel in time. Wow. <laughs> He's fun to do. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> and super shout out to Melissa Villasenor for teaching us how to do it perfectly. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I learned it on a podcast like eight years ago. You I heard somebody realize... say you do one quarter of Kermit the Frog. and uh... You didn't even realize that was her do- saying that to you. No, it wasn't. It was, I don't no, want to say his her name. Doing it's, his... it's the evil podcaster's name I will not no, say. She she was doing an impression of him in that episode. <laughs> of and the was, podcaster doing yeah, Owen she, Wilson? Yes. <laughs> That's how good she is. You didn't even know. <laughs> anyway, so then it comes to Loki finally agrees to help him. And it turns out that he's chasing himself, but it's shadowy. So that's where you wanted to get to, right? The speculation now is like, who is, is it going to be Tom Hiddleston playing evil Loki? Or are we going to see maybe Lady Loki? That was what I thought. I will who is admit like when people very talked about it. Interesting character in her own right. When people talked about it from a trailer breakdown, I was like, come on. Like, I didn't see anything that really tipped it 
off to me. But then Marvel made it a point to talk about how Loki is gender fluid in the last couple of days. And in this episode, it even is canon that the gender on his apprehended form is listed as fluid. Mm-hmm. So it Loki's seems, a shapeshifter. You it know? seems and pretty that's clear like setting up. Not just Lady canon Loki. for the MCU. That's canon for like comics. that's canon for actual Norse mythology from thousands of years ago. Oh, even last week when we were talking about the siege, weirdly enough, did not mention Loki at all from that because he actually does play a big part in it. And he is Lady Loki for that entire run. I never got into the storyline where he suddenly became Lady Loki, but it was apparently somewhere around a year before it's that It's like a reincarnation line. deal. Um, quick story about the original OG Loki from Norse mythology. The origin of Odin's six-legged horse sleep near. So they're chilling at Asgard one day and this giant shows up with this big ass horse. And he's like, I'm make you a bet, Asgardians. I bet you that I can build this kick ass wall all the way around your city in only like a year. One season. And if I win, then you guys let me kill you all. And if you win, then I'll fucking, you get to kill me. And they're just like, you're like one giant with a horse and there's a big ass city. Sure, we take your bet. And so the guy gets to work and he starts, his horse is this badass horse. It's like hauling all the stone for him. And the season starts to run out and they start to get worried. Like this giant's going to win the bet and get to like, they're going to have to let him kill them all out of their weird God honor or whatever. So Loki transforms himself into a female horse and seduces the male horse. And the male horse fucking skips out on his work and the giant is not able to finish the wall in time. And then the the Norse gods just gleefully murder him and then finish building the wall themselves because the giant did the majority of the work and it's this great wall. And then like nine months or whatever later, uh, Loki shows up and he's like, here's my child and it's a six-legged horse and it's, and Odin's like, sweet, I'm going to ride that thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ride your kid into battle. (laughs) So yeah, that's just one example of how Loki was not only transgender but trans species and was just like kicking ass in the most interesting of ways you know and then eventually you know betrayed everybody and was put in a cave where poison from a snake's mouth dripped on his face (laughs) for all eternity and then he had a wife and she he hated her but she was stood by him and she would hold a cup over his face to catch the venom but then eventually the cup would get full and she would have to empty it out and so she'd go dump the poison out and while that was happening poison would drip on Loki's face and he'd just start screaming vile horrible shit at her and just abuse her fuck Norse myths are depressing sometimes aren't they (laughs) well getting back to loki We're so still when, talking about Loki. When he's watching the videos of himself, he goes back to his mom and you can tell it sparks something in him. But then he also goes all the way to the end and sees Thanos snapping his neck. So what do you guys think Loki's plan is here? Well, I think at that point, Loki knows he can't go back to his original timeline. Yeah. So it looks like his immediate concern is survival. Yeah. And I think that his journey will also be one of sort of like – 
who do I want to be? What do I want to do? What's my purpose? You know, glorious purpose. You know, he doesn't that what he says? Yes. Whenever he shows up as I come with glorious purpose. And that's one of the f- things that Mobius challenges him on. It's like, what is your purpose? He, that's a great purpose, conversation man? they have is he's saying like, okay, so you become king of earth. Then what? King of space? That sounds good, right? Then what? Happily is, ever after? You know, like, what, and what is that like? What is life like? As part of the kingdom of space or... This is what I find interesting that they didn't think to do this. I am surprised that they didn't show him on the throne of Asgard because he was king for a couple years. Yeah, while Odin was hiding and... Yeah, but not so we know not in off. this not this Loki though. It's this same, happened but before. They're showing, they're showing all the things that are supposed to happen on the timeline. Oh, you're though. talking about when he's watching his timeline. Yeah, yeah like okay. I'm yeah. shocked that and they didn't say, like, "Hey, you need to come back and make this right because you're going to be king of Asgard." Or Mobius that. shows him up to his mom dying, right? And yes. then he runs off. Oh, that's true. I guess. And he didn't then have time. he probably then the the next thing he watches, the exact next thing he watches is his father disappearing. So it looks like he found the machine and was like, Tell me about my father. And so it skipped all of that and went straight to them sitting on the Right. I was side just surprised Owen Wilson didn't lead with like, You're gonna be king of Asgard, so let's fix this. You know what I mean? That's what I would have led with if I was him. I would have been like, Well, you're not him, man. So No, I'm not. I guess he knows what he's doing doesn't he no i'm gonna guess he's gonna completely botch this and it's gonna open up timeline things for the spider-man movie and possibly you mean that in the doctor, doctor strange. strange movie no i mean the spider-man movie sure doctor strange is that's well. more important though the doctor strange movie is more important because that is a core mcu movie spider-man is a peripheral mcu movie so the stuff no, that happens in agree. spider-man until spider-man is back fully owned by marvel his movies will always be peripheral to the main core MCU. What does Doctor Strange set up? You mean the first Doctor Strange? Yes. The only Doctor Strange movie we've it gotten. sets up the time stone, I suppose, and the fact that magic exists in the MCU, which is a pretty big addition to the MCU, is just the fact that yeah, magic kind of We kind of got that already. Kind of got with, it with, with Thor, Thor. Kind yeah. of. But there are no magicians or wizards in Asgard. There are people that are kind of like you. The you get a very. I know it's not in the MCU yet, but the Enchantress Shield. is a hundred percent like <laughs> that. Agents of Shield is that still canon though? Don't. It's on the. It's on the I, same page. I don't. As, we won't know until it hits the Disney Plus page. No, no, no. It's on it. the Legends Disney Plus page. Is it now? I it mean, is. we t- we talked about it, but it was only in Europe because Marvel still had Agents of Shield on uh, Netflix. So did that actually roll over? Or are you just kind of remembering wrong? I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying that Agents okay. of Shield anyway, is not canon. What I'm trying to say is like I don't think Doctor Strange. Set if up Agents of a Shield ton. was canon, don't you think Owen will? Wilson would have thrown the fact that Agent Coulson didn't die in his face when he's like, don't you see yeah. how it turned out for Agent Coulson? That would have been the perfect opportunity no, to be like, guess twist- what? They brought him back. He already twisted the knife and said it galvanized the Avengers to and bring And the existence down. of the Time Variance Authority, they would have absolutely stepped in and stopped the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe from even happening. So I just don't think it's in. Okay. Regardless, I don't think Doctor Strange, the movie per se, sets up a lot. However, Spider- 
Spider-Man Far From Home, they set up that the scrolls are up to some shit and we've got another scroll show coming for Disney+. And I've got to imagine that's going to be a huge part. And they make more money off of Spider-Man. Like, yes, they don't necessarily make more off of the movie coming out, but they will make a ton off of the action figures. So I think Disney is probably slightly more invested with Spider-Man because the bottom line is what matters. And the bottom line with Spider-Man is he makes them the most money of any character. And it's not even close. And they don't even have the full rights for the movies. So you got to remember the whole game here. Well, I'm considering the big picture. And the big picture is that Spider-Man's the only property that's not wholly owned by Disney and Marvel. It's partially there's I know. this thing with no, no, no. and they're the building movie, out their the own movie franchise is partially owned by Sony. It, it's fully owned by Sony, but Disney gets a cut. Right. The, so the, the difference and is like Spider-Man. Venom, Venom 2, freaking right. Morbius. The, the difference got... is that Spider-Man makes them way more money because they have the rights to Spider-Man <coughs> and literally everything else. So a Spider-Man movie that does really well is the best for Disney still. Like that. Right. But di- be, it's still not a, a lock, which means they can't make main Marvel continuity hinge on stuff the way that they can put it in other They Marvel absolutely movies. can because they've got a couple movies that they know for sure tie into the MCU. We already know that like Scarlet Witch is in uh, Doctor Strange and yes. that and WandaVision has built her way up to where people are going to see Doctor Strange too. They're just going to. Oh, I'm, and I'm being... if nothing like Loki is building up Doctor Strange big now, time. Me and I just I feel like I, it's But when I spoke and said Spider-Man, I did mean Spider-Man. Yes, it will also build up Doctor Strange, but these are both working off of the same. I know. I'm So porn. just one quick thing like uh, I was reading that in the comics they are going to be killing off Doctor Strange. The next the death of, you're right. Yeah. And the comics and I I mean they're definitely not killing off Doctor Strange in the movies. Yeah, That's not for a just, while. just a really good time to like just keep boosting the image of that particular character of Doctor yep. Strange yeah. and put him as front and center. And Give Feige him... runs the comic arms now too. Like he's overseeing the comics as well now. So anything that happens in the comics, it's, it's even more under Feige's direction now. Like it's all kind of becoming one thing. But typically if you see something that's newer – hit Marvel, they don't do it full on from what was done in the comics and they wait about eight years before they really tackle it. So yeah, (laughs) like at least eight years, it seems like. I don't know why I felt the need to stress that I feel like this is setting up Doctor Strange more than Spider-Man. I think it's setting them both up. There is like a core thing and then there's like movies that are a little bit more on the outside and Spider-Man in other movies is like, a full part of the other movies like in Civil War he's as much of it as Ant-Man is you know or Black well maybe not Black but I would say Infinity War he's crucial yes like think about if you pull him out of Infinity War it's not nearly as fun of a movie and you don't have well, that sock to the gut as hard as when yeah, Peter does. Yeah, he's, so he's like an emotional manipulation tool 
by tugging at, at Tony's heartstrings. He's tugging at all of our heartstrings because he's just clutching at his daddy saying he doesn't want to die. And we all care about Spider-Man. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Like, I think he's Marvel... He's a widow boy. To be clear, I think Marvel looks at all of these properties as very important. I don't think they look at any of them as like a throwaway thing. I think they view them all equally important. It's why they've done so well with their but to, universe. But to also to varying degrees. Maybe the second Guardians movie... Is doing a lot of heavy lifting in the world building department, not a lot of heavy lifting in the move the main whole plot forward. You know what's funny about that? It's kind of moving some chess pieces around on the board, getting people into the right places, but it's telling a very self-contained story. What's interesting about that is the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Kevin Feige kept saying over and over again, yep, this is going to be a story that's apart from everything. Like, this is just a story about what's going on in space, and he kept emphasizing that was away from it because they knew it was a risk putting it out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they wanted the stink on them if it didn't work. And it was so big. So They big. made the Guardians of the Galaxy so important. You know what I mean? Like they built it up because it worked so well. You got enough different stones, you know, to like – to get them all in one place, you got to throw a bunch of people into the mix. It worked out really good, though, and then Ragnarok. But if you think about it, they even end where the stone is taken off somewhere. Like, Guardians have nothing to do with that stone by the end of the movie. They just give yeah. it to John C. Riley, basically. <laughs> because he believes that he's not a dick, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what we come down to. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. I have been doing a lot of research for my YouTube channel, The Beards Audio Bucket List, and I actually went to go record the first couple episodes, and the audio turned out like dog shit. <laughs> like, it, it's hard I mean, when you don't have Biggs' equipment, huh? <laughs> it, I mean, it was awful. Like, I And I'm like, I can't publish this. If I can't sit down and like listen to it to edit it, I can't. Put that out. Would you like to borrow some recording equipment? I actually, it's going to be here tomorrow. So. Yeah, I was going to say, Holy if he's shit. doing this as a project, he should probably just invest in his no, own I, equipment. Okay. No, I, I bought a, I got a mixer coming. They'll be here tomorrow. I only say that because I do have a microphone you can borrow, and I do have a digital recorder you can borrow if you need. See, that. I don't know. If I need the digital recorder so much, but I, I'm actually probably going to be end up buying a microphone and stand by the end of the week. But nice. I actually like cleaned up my little area like so I could did show up on camera and I, like organized all of my records because they were kind of like on a pile on the floor like as I listened to them and, and like don't put them away. So I mean just tidying up and I'm going through and I mean I had like 25 records that I haven't even like put in my discogs like list yet so you categorize all of them with this right i'm not sure if most people know what this so discogs is a i think it's both android and apple app that actually has a huge database of bunch of cassette lp cds has all their artwork all the track listings when they're published who they publish where they published like all this information and it's you just like scan the barcode on the back and it's like oh here it is you want to add this to your collection and you can actually buy and sell records on there, except for this one. I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is something I picked up for like 50 cents at a garage sale or like a dollar in an antique shop or something. I like, I don't remember where I picked it up, but it was just interesting enough. And it's not on Discogs. 
The publisher is Kessler Sound Recording Studios out of Billings, Montana, which does not exist anymore. Yeah, I would think once you get something local, like if that shit's distributed in Montana or like created in Montana, probably not going to be widely available with information, you know? Yeah. It actually doesn't have a publishing date on it. The only thing I can find on it was 1975. The record is... The Bovie Restoration of Montana presents the marvelous music machines of Virginia and Nevada City's Montana. Now, what year is this record? I couldn't tell. And they have a date for the cover art okay. on it is 1975. I actually did some research on the, the Bovie <laughs> Restoration Project, which started in the mid to early 60s and finished in 1978. Okay. So what the Bowie Restoration Project is, there's two ghost towns in southwest Montana, Virginia and Nevada City. There's actually were three of them, Virginia City, Nevada City, and Bannock. Bannock became the territorial capital of Montana. And then Virginia City kind of lived on and then Nevada City basically just became a ghost town. The Bowie Corporation, which the owner of the Bovey Corporation is the heir to the General Mills Corporation. The people that the make cereal? cereal? Yeah. Okay. So like there's big bucks behind this. So he bought the town of Nevada City and started restoring it back in the mid-60s. And so now it's kind of a little, small little like tourist trap in southwest Montana. Nevada City was the biggest placer mining operation in the world, for the 50 years it was in operation, they got over $100 million worth of gold out of this placer mining, which is unheard of. It's about $2.5 billion in today's money. Wow. And just – there was only 50 residents in Nevada City. So the saloon in Nevada City and then there's uh, the Bale of Hay Saloon in Virginia City. They brought in these player pianos and pipe organs and – now it's kind of a museum. You can actually still go and feed the player machine like a dime and it'll play a little piano piece. And this is actually recordings of that. The Bowie Corporation, like the restoration was about a $100 million restoration project. Wow. And big time tourist trap now, like, because um, they get a lot of the traffic coming out of Yellowstone Park. And so, I mean, they get like thousands of visitors each summer. And they got a little uh, train that goes between Nevada City and Virginia City. They restored the theater there. They have like live productions all throughout the summer. They're big into like the Shakespeare in the park. Digging into it like it was just like an anomaly. I have like some rare import stuff in my record collection, but all that's like on Discogs and I can find absolutely zero information on this record. So what's it sound like? So the recording is basically, it sounds like what you'd think of a carousel calliope music. This sounds like Carl's kind of music. <laughs> we were just talking about that today a little bit. What? You listen to a lot of uh, carousel calliope music? Well, there's a one of the new uh, Bo Burnham tracks is very much along those lines of like evil carnival barker. <laughs> Yeah, if you put this like 16 speed, it'd probably sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> or just like turn the pitch way down. So is it good? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have listened to it twice. No, actually, it's not true. I've listened to the entire thing once. Like I listened to on one occasion, listen to side A and the other time, listen to side B. 
And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever listen to this again. But, <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> but then like going into this project, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to listen to this. Of course, it's not gonna show up till uh, the M's when I get through it. So that is my deep dive. Deep dive. All right. So for the verses, I was thinking about how Carl and I were having this conversation about classic movies and what's considered the greatest movies of all time and how it's kind of on this list. And there's not a lot of variance. Sometimes the same stuff kind of pops up. So I was looking at the top fours for a couple different things, specifically IMDb's Top 100, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and AFI. And I noticed there was a couple of crossovers, but mostly they were different. And in some cases, they were wildly different. And so I thought it would be interesting to take the top four from each one and put it into a movie bracket. So here's how it breaks down. Basically, it left us with 12 movies because there was some crossovers. The movies that had the most crossover in the top four are at the very top of the list. I just put that there because I was like, if it's top four the most, it should be the number one seed. I just... Sure. Yeah. And that's a good way of making seeds. Yeah. And I got... We a don't num- have win-loss records to go off of. So. Yeah. And I got a number one, two, and three seed that way. So the, the next one was if they crossed over, but it was tied in the crossovers, I would count their ranking. And then like whoever had the lowest number gets the upper seed. So like if one had a one and a three and one had a two and a four, the one and a three would win, for example. Then the next tiebreaker is the most crossover in the top 100 list of all of them. And then the final tiebreaker was the highest average ranking from that. So basically I have the seeds here. I'm just going to read these off. Like I said, there's 12 movies. So there's like basically four movies that will sit off and face the winner of the first rounds is how this is working out. So I'm just going to go through each section of the bracket and find the winners. And then we'll continue on that way just for efficiency. So the number 12 seed is Raging Bull versus the 11th seed, which is better Raging Bull or Wizard of Oz. Uh, I'm going to say Raging Bull. I think it's a more entertaining movie. Like I would say Wizard of Oz is more iconic, but I think Raging Bull is a better movie. Uh, I like Judy Garland. (laughs) And the whole like black and white to color thing is like important. Yeah. So I think – Wildly important. I agree. I agree with your assessment, uh, Brandon. I think that Raging Bull probably is a better movie like – or at least it's like – got more depth to it and is telling a deeper story maybe than Wizard of Oz. But I think I still give the edge to the worst movie that is more historically significant for like more reasons. My head wants to go with Raging Bull, but I got to follow my heart and it's Wizard of Oz, dude. And I do think Wizard of Oz is incredible. It's not like they play Raging Bull every single Christmas all day long. I love Scorsese (laughs) and there are no less than 20 Scorsese movies I've watched multiple times. I watched Raging Bull once and I was like, I'm done. Like it was good, but I was like, I'm I'm done with this movie. You've seen what you need to see out of it. And I have a vendetta against Scorsese, but I still said it was the better movie. Whereas Wizard of Oz might be the movie i've seen the most be just because growing up 
and then being in a household where it's like just playing all the time. And I've never upset when it's on. Like if somebody's like turn on Wizard of Oz, I'm like, I don't know. But if it's on, I watch it every time. Like it's so good. So Wizard No, of- I'm not I'm not upset about this. Like yeah, Wizard of Oz no. wins. We've- so Wizard of Oz goes on to face the number one seed, the Godfather. <laughs> that was on three out of four of the list. <sighs> They're going to come and make you an offer you can't refuse. You're going to take these shoes. You're going to take these shoes off of this dead lady that you killed with the house. You're going to go to this old guy in in this Emerald City. This is not a hard decision for me, so I'm not going to bury the lead. It's the Godfather. Like, my heart and head tell me it's the Godfather. (laughs) But what if it's Alice in Wonderland? It's not on the list. (laughs) I don't mean the Disney animated one. I'm talking Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, never seen it because I won't. So, (laughs) Are you sure that one doesn't beat both? 100%. (laughs) The Godfather. Yeah, Yeah, this is definitely the Godfather. Godfather wins. So... Okay, so there will be chances in the future yeah. to defeat the so, Godfather. Though? Yes, that's okay. just the first. Godfather, I for... suppose the Godfather can beat. Uh, could have been a contender. Wait, that's no, not that's the right movie. on the riverfront, which is not <laughs> on this list. Could have been a contender. It's also Marlon that's Brando. Riverfront on, on the, the riverfront. Front. I thought that was the thing from... on the waterfront. Or on the waterfront, you're I right. I thought I so. could have been a contender was like from Raging Bull or something. No, it's no. referring to... It's a boxer, right? He's a retired boxer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I but guess I don't no know... there's no boxing in this movie. He anything works about on the, on the waterfront. On the river, bridge over the river Kwai. <laughs> also not on the list. Right. Bury my heart at Wounded Knee. <laughs> not on the list. Uh, number five, The Shawshank Redemption versus mm. number six, Modern Times. Well, oh, I've sh- never even heard of Modern Times. Modern so. Times is either. a Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, dude. It's fucking a f- it's, Shawshank. It is far and away Andy, the most popular Charlie Andy Chaplin Dufresne movie. Dufresne crawled through a mile of shit and came out <laughs> clean on the other side. Would it change yeah. your opinion if I told you Robert Downey Jr. No. was Chaplin? <laughs> <laughs> dude, Tim Robbins, Clancy Brown... Morgan Freeman, dude, Shawshank's, Stephen King, Shawshank's got it all. Rita Rita Wilson, is it Rita Wilson? Is she in? Rita Hayworth. Rita Rita Hayworth. Yeah, Yeah. dude, fuck. Because the original story is called Um, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. I'm a man who knows how to get things. This is not hard for me. better not cut my Morgan Freeman out. No, I'm keeping it. I didn't cut it out last time. You always cut out my Morgan Freeman. (laughs) <laughs> and they do, it always starts doesn't matter what move that's the secret I'm gonna give you all the secret it doesn't matter what movie you're cooing you always start with Andy Dufresne <laughs> it still sounds like Forrest Gump to me you're just yeah, I, will you do me a favor and say is, is he smart or is he no <laughs> like me I don't even know what you're talking about this Forrest Gump <laughs> whatever seed that one is it's dead right. okay so Shawshank beats whatever modern times yes so then it goes on to face it happened one night i was totally gonna Another research this movie and of. i forgot so <laughs> now, that's the number four seed what lists were this movie on what year is it from tell me what it's called again i can't tell you anything about it just tell me what it's called it happened one night it i just need to see what year 1934 clark gable claudette colbert walter conley I recognize one of those names. Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Yeah. A renegade reporter and a crazy young heiress meet on a bus heading for New York and end up stuck with each other when the bus leaves them behind at one of the stops. 
If I remember correctly, that was on the AFI list, the American Films Institute. That sounds right. Yeah. But uh, I don't know what it is. I kind of don't care what it is. I'm going to go Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. yeah, it's Shawshank. Shawshank. Again, Shawshank. So the Shawshank Redemption versus The Godfather. Shawshank. Yeah, oh, I'm my actually, God. Shawshank I'm actually so going to go Shawshank Redemption, Dude. too. And I love The Godfather. And but You know what? The opening scene of Shawshank, when that music is playing and the camera is coming up over the fucking prison, better than the entire Godfather. I, I will say that. Don't that's agree me. with that. <laughs> Both do have fantastic scores. The Godfather does have. I think that's yeah. my yeah. favorite thing about the Godfather is the score. And the lines are great in the Godfather. Like, you can quote <laughs> almost that entire movie and they're all iconic, but I'm still going to go Shawshank Redemption because it makes me feel good. <laughs> That is a good say one today. <sighs> How are you going, Brandon? Just for Shawshank. Okay. Hell yeah. When they drink that beer on that fucking rooftop, dude, that's a feel With good. the Arbor Singer. Play, that's another scene. Oh, but yeah. Every time Andy Dufresne pulls one over on those motherfucking prison guards, it puts a big old smile on your face. It just does. That movie just kicks ass. Yeah. And they even like manage to have some really dark shit happen and. It's it's okay at the end. <laughs> so Shawshank Redemption is in the finals going to the other side. Number 10, we've got The Godfather Part 2 against <laughs> number 9, Black Panther. Wow. That's from Metacritic. Wow. Metacritic has like shaken the snow globe on this whole thing. Yeah, that is definitely the newest movie on the list so Dude, far Metacritic, by a wide margin. There's another one that... Might surprise you guys. I'll just say that. Love Black Panther. It's Godfather Part 2 the whole way. Yeah, I'm going to have to say Godfather Part Like, I love Black Panther, but uh, I'm Godfather 2 is, to me, one of the best movies ever made. So I it's... don't care about the mafia. <laughs> That's my thing. It's See, not I, even a, I'm, like, not, I'm not a huge mafia also, guy. But there's like, also a big story about women having the right over their body and deciding to leave marriages like there's a whole subplot that is i would say i'll give you that a third of the movie that's very very important in that don't care it's not all about the mob is what i'm saying especially in the godfather part two. i'll throw my vote that is totally doesn't mean anything because it's already two to one but it could have been three oh i'll make it two one i'm gonna cast my vote for black panther because i fucking dig that movie oh i dig it yeah. too. and uh i just i would rather watch black panther pretty much any time over godfather part two basically just any time even with the fact that they're basically just CGI puppets fighting at the end. I hate to say this, dude, but if you were like, you're going to go to a loud theater and it's either Godfather Part 2 or Black Panther, I'm going to go for Godfather Part 2. Uh, what do you mean? Right? I sit there Godfather and listen to the horns. A loud, what do you mean a loud Like theater? just a packed theater with everybody excited to see the movie. I would still want to go see the Godfather Part 2. Like, I, uh, I wouldn't want to go to that theater. Oh, I would. Not anymore. The pandemic has ruined me for freaking crowded, packed theaters with people <laughs> yelling and fucking spewing their disease into the air. Fuck that shit. So you won't be going to Black Widow in the theater? 
Uh, no, I'm going to see Suicide Squad in the theater, but I'm going to like <laughs> sit way far away from everybody. You sit in the back so you don't get the back spittle. Yeah. <laughs> sit as far back as possible. And I'll wear a mask in the theater. Why? No one can stop me from wearing a mask. So The Godfather Part 2 moves on to face the number two seed, Citizen Kane. So <laughs> this is where I have to decide whether I'm voting for this as the best movie of all time or my favorite movie of all time. And I think I'm going to go the best movie of all time for this, which means I'm going to go Citizen Kane. I love Citizen Kane, dude. And it feels with Trump as relevant as it had ever <laughs> felt. So I am yeah. going to go with Citizen Kane. And I this is my justification. You hate Godfather? No. <laughs> um, one of my favorite Kids in the Hall sketches of all time yeah. <laughs> is one where Dave Foley can't remember the name of the movie he saw the night before. And Kevin McCarthy. Donald's like, well, what movie? What was happened in the movie? And he's like, well, there was this about this old rich there old was, newspaper. There's guy. a rich old newspaper magazine. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, you're talking about Citizen Kane. And then Dave Foley's like, no, no, no. He's like, well, what else? Tell me more about the movie. He's like, well, there was a sled called Rosebud. Yeah, that's Citizen Kane. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, spoilers, Carl. <laughs> Eventually, he winds up stabbing Dave Foley to death. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because first he stabs him in the hand and then he pulls out the newspaper and he's like, what time was it? What channel? You know, and he's like bitching about his hand. And he's like, just tell me when the movie was. And he's like, it was at seven o'clock on channel 13. And he's like, see, Citizen Kane. It was Citizen Kane. And he's like, fine, you win. You know, I admit it. And then then he looks down at his hand. And he's like, oh, great. Now I need one of those. Oh, what are those things? The the vehicle that comes and takes you to the hospital. And he's like, <laughs> an ambulance. You need an ambulance. Ah. No, no, not that. Not that. that it's something else I just can't and then he pulls the knife out of his hand and starts stabbing him in the chest and going you don't need an ambulance you need a mortician you need a mortician and that's one of my favorite kids in the hall sketches and it's Citizen Kane that they're talking about so I vote for Citizen Kane <laughs> Uh, <laughs> also, The Simpsons did a whole Citizen Simpsons Kane. did it. Not only did they do it, I think like the writers believe that they've covered every single scene of Citizen Kane within The Simpsons. So you could recreate the entire movie? They've encouraged fans to do it, but to nobody's try. done it yet that I'm aware of. There's a couple of movies like... Godfather as well. Yeah. That's the other one. And yeah. then didn't they make their own McBain movie? Yeah, you can cut all the McBain shorts. That, 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 that surprised me when I saw that. I did not know they were telling a story. An entire Because story. that was yeah. the first couple of seasons Pretty of The amazing. Simpsons they did that. <laughs> it was before they had to change his name to Rainier, Rainier Wolf, Wolf Castle. Castle because there was a well, Christopher the the Walken actor. movie. Right, but there was a Christopher Walken movie that Fox put out called McBain, which they didn't know about The Simpsons. One and so they were like, "Don't use McBain anymore. It's going to confuse people with this movie." They started calling him Rainier oh. Wolfcastle. They always just called him McBain before oh. that. For the record, I'm also doing Citizen Kane. Three O. Okay, so number eight, The Dark Knight. Okay, Metacritic yep. versus number seven, Rear Window. So that's the Hitchcock joint. Yeah, Hitchcock. Um, let's see. You know, there was a time. There was a time when I would have picked Christopher Nolan as a better director than Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that was because I watched Memento and it blew Yeah, my if he went on mind. that trajectory. But he also made stuff like The Dark Knight Returns. I'm just saying. <laughs> he hadn't made it at that point yet, though, had he? No, he no. made The Dark Knight Rises. 
Oh, Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Sorry. Which is a, I would say, a semi-important distinction because there is a Dark Knight Returns. Yes, it's there is. Animated, I just got them mixed up. And it's no good. It's also a good graphic novel it's by a, a real shitty it's an, writer. It's a, it was a good story at the time that has not aged well with yeah, the times. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. As Frank Miller has Even also just the not mater- aged Yeah, well. he hasn't. But independently, the story itself also is kind of like, you know, it's stories like that that are directly responsible for people like Zack Snyder just failing to understand the myths, like the symbolism of the characters. The crazy you know? part yeah. is, is that Frank Miller at no point does not understand uh, he Batman. Just, no, <laughs> he, I think he set out to actually do some kind of a Batman reformation. I think he wanted to readjust the the characteristics. But of he un, but he understood what Batman was, so he's saying like if he continues on this path, this is where he'll wind up. Like it does <laughs> right. it does make sense if you yeah. look at it where it was in the eighties. Yeah, I, and, I'm just yeah. saying. But like Zack Snyder doesn't understand any of that. He's just like yeah. these are two action figures, so, and I'm slamming them slam, together. Slam, slam. Do you think that I'm going to pick like, up some guns? What if uh, what's his name? Hitchcock. Hitchcock had made a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you it think would that... be amazing, honestly? Because Hitchcock was known as doing—he was known for doing genre shit like Psycho. The birds. Psycho would have been the considered birds. trashy by any other director, but the fact that he did it, it packed the theater. <laughs> And, like, <laughs> we still talk about Psycho today, yeah. but we're not talking about Psycho. We're talking about Rear Window, which is also amazing and has been referenced <laughs> and so many parody. goddamn times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did – I just watched uh, – Though the TV show Castle with uh, Nathan Fillion. Did they do a rear window thing? They did two rear window episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going rear window, dude. I I love rear window. It's really good. I think, yeah, because, you know, The Dark Knight, it's a pretty good movie. But it was also kind of the beginning of the end for some a lot of DC fanboys that kind of took a. This was like the the slight incline that they started kind of shuffling down, and then they hit freaking uh, Zack Snyder. <laughs> right. Yeah. After this, it, and then it got steeper, and then they hit fucking Joker, and then it's a steep cliff. Look, I also love The Dark Knight. I love Yeah, it. no, it's a Where good movie. It's a fantastic Where movie. Is he? It's it's not fucking Hitchcock. That movie all comes down to Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger fucking yeah. crushing it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, also, I'm also going to throw a shout out to, uh, what's her name? Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Really picking up the torch from Katie Holmes and yep. being like, here, let me show you how it's actually done. <laughs> 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 Which I am completely inventing shade. <laughs> There is no actual shade between Katie Holmes and Maggie Gyllenhaal, but she's a way better. There might uh, be, and it's possible that Katie Holmes wins in a fight, but I... No way, no way. Probably not, though. Maggie Gyllenhaal (laughs) would kick the shit out of Katie Holmes. She somehow got out of Scientology, though, so that's saying something, dude. She got a little spindly I like to think she did like a Bob Odenkirk nobody thing to get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Uh, She probably had like a... I was... Originally going to go with The Dark Knight, but you talked me into Rear Window. It's so good. It's it, a I good, mean, it is a great movie. Good. Like, when you say Dark Knight, I immediately glom on to Heath Ledger's yep. performance. Like, yep. it is so good and really drives that movie. And Maggie Gyllenhaal is good. Like, Two-Face is good. Yep. But the rest of it just kind of, meh. The thing is, is that it's not like a... 
seamless movie from beginning to end. There are sequences within it, like the opening uh, robbery sequence is fantastic with all the jo- Joker mask wearing that criminals is that are like one taking the themselves out one at a time. That and it, might be the best action sequence, period. It's like, really honestly. fantastic and it's just cut really well, but there's also like really boring shit in that movie yep. that you don't even remember. Yeah, you don't remember that and stuff, so but there's a like, lot of that. Remember, remember Morgan Freeman talking about cell phones? Yeah, what when does he that was sound like, like Carl? He said, he said, Andy Dufresne <laughs> isn't Batman, but you are Bruce Wayne. And I've got all the cell phones in the world. And I don't know what I'm slipping into, but mm-hmm. it's something else. <laughs> all right, so Rear Window moves on to the number three seed Casablanca. I am mm. 100% seeing. That's where they said, forget it, Charlie. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I think that was Chinatown. No, right. Chinatown. Chinatown's no! when he's like, damn it, Jackie, this isn't Broadway. Casablanca mm-hmm. is uh And then when he said, he said, the star is born. And he says, uh, you need to get on that plane. Maybe not because you'll oh, regret it. Right. Maybe not today, today. Maybe not tomorrow, it. but soon and for Janet. the rest of your life. Like basically the last 15 minutes of Casablanca. Let's do the time war. a series war. of lines that are quoted over and over yeah. again. Like that like entire. We, I just got to get out well, of Well, and then starting out like <laughs> out of all the gin joints in all the towns, why'd of she all... have to walk into mine? Yeah. That's um, some noir fucking but it's not, a noir. It's not a noir movie though, interestingly no. enough. It just has the feel of like that intercontinental accent where they're all tucking all jive. The jive? <laughs> I don't think that's the right yeah. word. Okay. <laughs> What's the rumpus? That's what sure. I'm thinking of. Sure, we can go with that. You quit giving me the hi hat. You're always giving me the hi hats. <laughs> Okay, so what I love about Casablanca is it's all centered around this love triangle, but it's the only movie I've ever seen where you can understand all three of their point of views, and none of them are the bad guy, and none of them hate each other either because they completely understand each other's point of views. And it's amazing because it's so held up because of that, and yet I've never seen another movie successfully do that. So they always no wind up having they're all adults. No, there's it. drama, but it's like the drama is because you have to make this decision and because somebody's lives might be taken because the Nazis are coming into this town. Yeah. Basically, they're coming through Humphrey Bogart can get her and one person out of there. And he'll probably be okay if he stays, but then he'll lose her. And she got with him, like Humphrey Bogart, because she thought her husband died in a concentration camp, did not realize that he escaped. And so she just disappeared on him because she realized her husband was there and just didn't even know how to talk to him about it. So it's like they all understand each other's point of view. He's not even mad at his wife because he understands she thought that he was dead. It's really amazing. Like, it's such good storytelling. And it's got such a good vibe. It was the first movie, I believe... To have a black character have a speaking line in a chiefly white movie. We had to bring that up because it was okay. It was important, man. (laughs) Like Sam played against it. (laughs) Like Sam is Sam is a musician who they brought in, and I don't remember his name, but he like had a whole career after that movie because of that. But it was like groundbreaking in that way as well. I'm gonna go Casablanca. I love Casablanca. No, no shade on Rear Window. I just it's such a good movie. I'm gonna go Rear Window because one of the things I didn't mention before 
that I really appreciate about that movie is how they really maximize what is initially a limitation to f- yeah. the storytelling where you're like, he's stuck in this apartment where you look out a window. You know, it's even And the whole story though. is happening like... Peripheral to the character. Yeah, he's watching it and it's like... But what's uh, even crazier you know about why that people is like people are like, I can't, I can't believe Hitchcock was able to do that. And so he's like, oh yeah, so he makes Lifeboat where they're in an even tinier area. <laughs> It's like the you want a bottle I mean, episode. I could kill the bottle episode. Like he literally yeah. was just like, "Oh, you think that was a? I could only do that one time? No, watch this." Like <laughs> Hitchcock was really a master. Like I think it's understated how good he was. Yeah, and he, you know he definitely as a person, not so much. Oh you know? no, he was just and, shitty human. You know, being. it really sucks too that he was part of that whole cycle where people think that um, in order to be like a visionary director you have to be a fucking asshole to your crew like i just watched a clip the other day of uh what you call him uh david lynch and somebody is just asking off the side side offhandedly like maybe we make the scene a little shorter like maybe we're struggling with this scene because it's so long and that's why we're having difficulty getting the take because it's a long scene and he just starts going like who gives a fuck what the fuck how long the fucking scene is fuck shit david lynch did that oh yeah like not pleasant and everyone around him is just like frozen you know maybe it's just a scene of one moment but it's just you know it sucks that these guys they think that they just don't even realize it doesn't register with these guys that there is this cycle this history of like directors being abusive dicks you know and we still can like that dude that we talked about last week didn't we talk about him just last week russell yeah you know and that guy's still making like you said he's still Uh, making shit he's still getting big names you know people that are excited to work with him woody allen he wins a fucking all these assholes we do this thing in america fuck i'm getting off on a big thing but this is I'll make this fast. We do this thing in America where we fucking take down one guy or we take down, we do one fucking thing and, and we then we're like, flag. fixed we forever, win. mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Now we can go back to business as usual and everybody else that's still a fucking predator and still a fucking piece of shit, scam artist, grifters, we they all get to keep doing what they're <coughs> doing because we got this one guy. We got that guy. We got Weinstein, so let's stop looking for perverts in Hollywood. You no, know? we not only we got Weinstein, we got Cosby too. We got Weinstein and Cosby and that guy that definitely didn't kill himself. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so we yeah, got Rear Window and Casablanca. Casablanca. I'm going Casablanca. I, that movie is really Blanca. fucking good. Yeah. Forget okay, it, babe. <laughs> it's Casablanca. <laughs> it's Casablanca. <laughs> All right, so in the semifinals, uh, Citizen Kane versus Casablanca. Forget it, baby. The sled's name Rosebud. So I was thinking ahead on this, so I'll just throw out my <laughs> opinion. Citizen Kane is technically better, probably more important. I fucking dig the vibe of Casablanca. I really do, man. Like, Casablanca is like, I could kill an afternoon watching it. I could smoke a joint, decide to want to watch it. I could be drunk and watch it. I could watch it in any state, dude. (laughs) I'm going to go Casablanca. Citizen Kane at times feels like a homework movie to me where, like, you're, you need to, like, focus on all these important stuff, but, like, Casablanca is entertaining, like, and good. It really does a good job of, like, keeping you there. If you were able to make this today, it would have to be an independent movie because no studio would make Casablanca today, ironically, as much money as it's <laughs> made is... for Hollywood. You know what I mean? <laughs> but so, like, 
It would be like, I don't know, probably not A24 because they do weird stuff, but it would be some little independent company you never heard of it. But if they did it today, they really wouldn't have to change anything. That's what's surprising about it is just like it's still all relevant. Like it's a period piece. So if you just look at it as a period piece, it works. All the dialogue still works. Like there's nothing, there's no newspaper boy that's like extra, extra. Like no, none dude, of that if stuff. Casablanca was made today, this is the cast. Nazis are still the bad guys. This is the cast. <laughs> this is the cast. We got... Uh, uh, John Mark Hamm. Wahlberg. John Hamm would be Mark Wahlberg. Bogart. No, 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 no. Mark Wahlberg, Vin Diesel are the two guys, and then the lady. What, so which one's and then the, the lady? Hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Wait, which wait. one's the Jewish guy? No, the lady though. Uh, Vin Diesel. Okay. And then, uh, and then, hold on. And then the lady. The lady is played by Mia Jovovich because it's directed by Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. <laughs> it's your favorite movie. <laughs> That's it. I'm voting against it. <laughs> Vin Diesel, Mark Wahlberg, Mia Jovovich. Does stars mean- of Paul W.S. Anderson's Casablanca. <laughs> you would never make this movie. Well. <laughs> yeah, you have to add well on because yeah. he would definitely yeah. make this movie. <laughs> All you have to do is, is like make a video game of Casablanca and he'd be like, I'm in. <laughs> and he'd be like, can, can I have I, lots I'm making of this grinding out. gears and saws like, in it? I'm going to adapt this video game into this original film that's never been made before. <laughs> that I've never even heard of. <laughs> and he's serious because I'm pretty sure he made Resident Evil and was like, this is the first movie that's ever been made. <laughs> I am the first filmmaker in history. <laughs> it is me. I am the alpha and the omega of filmmaking. So and when, all of the movies star my wife. So are you, <laughs> Every movie in existence. So are you picking Casablanca because you fan casted it? What is it up against? Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Yes. <laughs> I vote for Casablanca. Okay. So in the finals. <laughs> but <we've>, my version. <laughs> right. <laughs> Subverted. So in the finals, we've got Casablanca versus the Shawshank Redemption. No, we've got Shawshank Redemption versus Paul W.S. Anderson's Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Shawshank case, wins again. In that again. case, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, either uh, way, I'm going to go Shawshank on I'm this. going Shawshank on this. 100%. I Tim Robbins. I recognize that Casablanca mm. is a better movie. I'm just going to say no. it right here. Disagree. But I love Shawshank Redemption. And I think it's also a great movie with a capital G. Every single person in that movie, I feel bad that I don't remember the other guys' names because I love all of the characters in that movie. They're all fucking great. Yeah, like, even like the the young kid, the, the okay, young maybe punk greaser not, kid that comes in. Like, oh, I he, he his do- death is very sad. Like, you get to care for that kid because he yeah. teaches him how to read and he teaches him how to he pa- helps him pass his GD while he's in prison. Like, the kid's got a family waiting for him. On yeah, the and you just dude. like when he gets killed, yeah. he's like you see part of. Uh, Tim Robbins' character die. In like, a way, the way that Tim Robbins mentors that boy, he's kind of like uh, Prison Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that gets me. And I Red just is, remember. Red is his grizzled daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 
Because he tells him how it is. And then that horrible character says, Time to makes get him done dying and time to get That one guy makes living. him say, What's who's your life? daddy? <laughs> Either get busy then, living or get busy dying. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I Brooks, love the end where he's just like, I his, hope I see my friend again. I old, hope. Old Brooks with his bird and then he has his own little sequence oh where he God, kills he, himself because so he can't sad. handle life uh, on the outside. Like, they just do – Like, like uh, when he's bagging groceries, like, because that's the only job. Like a convict and, he's, get, and like, he's asking to go to the bathroom, and he's like, "Just go. You don't have to ask." There but he have, needs to ask because yeah. it's part of his weird sexual thing. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times in my life where I've come perilously close to prison. <laughs> if there was ever anything that I would throw myself into as like a nonprofit, like caring, like joining a group or like advocating, it would be prison reform. I think because. The fact that for-profit prisons even exist in our country and a, one of the subplots of of the fucking movie is the ward, corrupt warden using prison labor as a way to undercut business, legitimate business, yeah. you know, as a way for making more money for him fucking self, you know, and it's about greed and corruption that's at the top, you know, and that's a real aspect of our prison system like if if we look at these two movies and look at which one just has something to say about the world we live in it's definitely Shawshank of the two it's definitely Shawshank mm, it's both but it's uh, but I respect what you're saying and I also picked Shawshank Redemption so you don't have to sway me <laughs> so Shawshank is the winner did you what about Paddington did you want to throw two, in your though? two cents I don't think I heard you how did in. Paddington 2 not make it onto this list isn't well, it like the number one so movie it, it got Got dropped on Rotten Tomatoes. The, a negative score came in. That was actually a story this week. Like somebody that's all put weird. in a late review, <sighs> just to just to knock it down, just to knock it off that hundred percent. Because that seems like stupid. Like that review that knocked down. Uh, what you call it, was a review from the time. And this Rotten Tomato list. But if list, this Paddington review was something that somebody just made now yeah. to and knock it that. down, then that's bold. That's and this, this Rotten Tomato list is it's also made up. It's uh, yeah. comprised of critic reviews and user reviews. So when you hear the 100%, they're always focusing on the critic. They're yeah. not focusing on the right, user. The audience. So this is going to be a different list than when you see the 100% for Rotten Tomato. Okay. Anyway, sorry, where'd you fall, Brandon? So I am going to go to Shawshank because I have seen it so many times. Like, and never get tired of it. And never. Never. I will sit down any part of the movie. (laughs) I I can sit down and be right in line with the storyline and just like watch the entire movie out. I love Paul Scheer and I love Amy Nicholson, but when they did this movie on Unspooled, they really floated out the theory that people only like it because TNT owned it and played, <laughs> played it, it endlessly. 24 hours a day. And so they think like <laughs> it basically loop. just Stockholm people into yeah, thinking it's a good funny. movie. And I that's disagree funny. because I remember when I saw it and like <laughs> I was in a group fish. of friends and we were all like, this is fucking incredible. And like none of us knew what the fuck it was. It was just at the video store. So I have to respectfully disagree with their opinion. I think they're just sour grapes on it. I mean, Carl's been doing his Andy Dufresne like <laughs> Morgan Freeman impression endlessly. So. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Take it easy.
please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Porniman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Subscribe to all the podcasts on our network. Season 3 of Movies with Wrestlers has Eric and Connor answering the question on everyone's mind. Who's better, The Rock or John Cena? Every week, a cosmic void has Jeremiah and Biggs deconstructing influential movies. Not Safe for Network examines the zeitgeist through rabbit holes, deep dives, interviews, and pop culture battles weekly. And if you need some classic TV talk, catch up on the previous three seasons of In Syndication.